Hi, this is Catherine Long, and this is The Catherine Long Show. Joining me today is the Reverend Dee Dee Freeman, minister, spiritualist minister, healer, medium, hypnotherapist, hypnotherapist shamanic practitioner, magician, priestess. Yeah, priestess. It's and gorgeous oh. human being. Oh, And so you. happy to be here with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining me here in this beautiful, sunny little spot. Can you believe this is the end of October? I can't believe it, but I can believe it, and I'm enjoying it. And it lights me up, the light, yeah. the air. As the sun gets lower in the horizon, you know it's getting into winter, but it's still it's still warm. It's beautiful. Still magical, beautiful Prescott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So the intention that I have for these conversations is to bring out whatever is most important to you, whatever is really in your heart that you want to communicate with me um, and anyone else who's listening. So what is it that really, really calls to you? What is it that when you wake up in the morning, it's on your mind? When you go to bed at night, it's on your mind? When you're... How to help people be happy. Yeah. How to help people connect with their own glorious divinity. How to help people connect with their own personal genius which we all have they call it a guardian angel your higher self your wise guide spirit guide all that stuff you can look at it in terms of psychology there is no god but man or it can be god and angels are intermediaries but all humans have this sense of awe in in nature which is god and so my goal in life is to help people feel happy. We are so covered up. Layers and layers of stuff that we don't even know that we're supposed to be happy. And now that I figured it out for myself after going through a lot of pain and suffering, I want to share what I learned with other people. It's not rocket science, but you do have to have discipline. If you don't have discipline, then you will continue in the ruts that you've built for yourself. But if you learn that you're in a rut and you make a decision to get out, there's nothing that's going to stop you. Our will is divine. Our will is allows us to do anything we put our minds to. And also, the thing I like to teach people is to be careful what you think about because you will inadvertently, by default, manifest something just by what you choose to think about and how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. I just had a conversation mm-hmm. with my daughter earlier today about she manifested something really kind of shocking and... Um, it caused loss in her life. I don't want to say it was bad or negative, but she brought it in, but she didn't realize how she brought it in. It was the way she was thinking and the strong emotion that was attached to it. And she made this thing happen to her that it was, she had to learn from it the hard way. Was it a matter of, I don't want this thing to happen or? Okay, so it's, she'll, she won't mind. I gave her my car because I'm not using it anymore and she's a midwife and a doula and she needs to get around and do her thing well she's also half Samoan and very involved in the queer community her girlfriend at the time is half Jewish half Korean from St. Petersburg Russia and they're all like into this brown person of color and all of this stuff And then my daughter's girlfriend at the time was giving her shit about white privilege. Oh, your mom gave you a car. Oh, white privilege, white privilege. And my daughter was like really conflicted because her politics were about no white privilege. 
and there I gave her a car. And so she just kind of found a way to like accidentally get it stolen. And it, she never got it back. But when she realized what she had done, another car dropped in her lap. Mm -hmm. It's like, universe, you are amazing. Mm -hmm. But I mentioned to her, like, it's the way you were thinking, this sort of, I shouldn't have that, but I have that. She made it go away from her life because she felt that it was white privilege and that she really shouldn't have it. Mm -hmm. And it was just so interesting to watch her go through this experience. She's like 29, I think she's gonna be 30 in March. Like a big lesson. I said, you did that. And I wasn't mad at her and she's, I'm like. Has she, has she learned from it and laughed about it? I think so. Yeah. And then a, a car dropped right in her lap, mm -hmm. another one. Mm -hmm. So she was without a car for maybe a month. <laughs> and had to sit with the fact that her car got stolen in downtown Oakland where you really have to be careful with your car and otherwise someone will help themselves with it and although you're a person of color you're half brown half white and you're living in a black neighborhood so you kind of don't fit the person of color mold in that context so it was just really interesting to you know the kids living in that urban environment and think they're all cool and like they know what's going on but there's some have and have nots going on. And she did have white privilege and she felt like she had to, I guess she had to sacrifice something to come to terms. So anyway, that's what I mean about manifesting something you think you don't want, but you gotta watch your thoughts because your subconscious mind, once an idea gets inside, you know, you're a hypnotherapist, mm -hmm. once an idea gets lodged in your subconscious, that's the mission, no matter what, no matter what you do, your subconscious has a, has a goal now to achieve that whatever you planted in your subconscious mind. So that's what we do as therapists, right? We help people get into the trance state so they can go into their subconscious and uproot what they don't want and help them put in something that's gonna be more helpful. Mm -hmm. And that's, I love that work. And that work lends itself to my life purpose, which is to help people be happy, just content where they are. Because the more of us that are actually happy, that's what's going to change this world around, not government, politicians posturing and promising this and promising that. It's our attitude, because we create that by our attitudes, mm -hmm. by what we respond to and what we think about, right? Advertising, Super Bowl. Can you imagine if we had as many people as watch Super Bowl focused on world peace? You know, that's a, humans are social creatures. We work together. So when we're all focusing on the same thing, it's magic. That's magic. So what, what do you think magic is? If you had to define it, if you had to explain it um, to like a fifth grader. Well, I was reading this book from like 1927 called Art, Magic, and Spiritism by an unnamed author. And he said that the two pillars of magic are magnetism which is hypnosis trance and psychology so it's trance state really like theta state and psychology meaning how you hold your mind and a magician or a like a yogi magician yogi same thing um, not a witch with a hat on but someone who knows how to focus on whatever they want to focus on to the exclusion of all else and then bring in the right emotion that matches the feeling that you would have if you got what you want, mm -hmm. that's magic. And so that 
uh, enlist your subconscious to do everything, bring things synchronistically into your experience that lend itself towards this thing that you want. So that's why we have to be really careful because we're manifestors no matter what. But um, magic is taking control of your mind. So you're, it's, um, you gotta do self-analysis. Like um, in the Oracle at Delphi in Greece, above the, the gate, it says, man, know thyself. Man, know thyself. And that means you gotta know yourself, good, bad, ugly, no matter what it is, you gotta know exactly who you are and how you're gonna react, because otherwise someone else can control you. And that's not magic, that's being a rudderless ship. And the other thing in spiritualism, because now I'm in, I'm one month now, maybe going on two months of being an ordained spiritualist minister. Ordained just means you have an education, and spiritualism is a science, religion, and a science philosophy, and it's only a religion because it came about in the late 1800s at a time when people got thrown in jail for witches, for being a witch, for, for having mediumship or for doing healing. So it became a religion to protect the practitioners. And so it's really a science and a philosophy. So in the science philosophy of spiritualism, there was a gentleman named Andrew Jackson Davis in the like 1840s, 1850s, who um, had a vision and his spirit guide was Galen, who was a Greek physician. And in his astral experience, Galen gave him a magic staff. And Andrew Jackson Davis took the magic staff and it could heal all things. But on the staff it said, under all circumstances, keep an even mind. Here's your magic staff. Walk with it, talk with it, lean on it forever. Meaning, keep an even mind. This is your magic staff. It's a metaphor for just a way to be. Don't get flipped out, don't get triggered. So know yourself and don't get triggered. And if you screw up, love yourself unconditionally. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanna teach people. So yeah, magic, spiritualism. So uh, so what about sex magic? What? what? On the topic of magic what? and sex magic. So our, like, um, Natural law, spiritual law, there's the Kabbalion and the seven hermetic axioms, and one of them is the law of gender, law of attraction. So sex magic is, as physical beings, we're all spiritual beings having a physical experience. The universe is experiencing itself through us in these physical bodies that have these five senses. And to procreate, we have to get a sperm and an egg together somehow when everybody's busy doing whatever is they're doing, well, what is, how are we gonna like make a moment to do that? So we've been instilled with this attraction to come together and um, a pleasure is attached to it. So sex magic is a male or a female or one person. It's bringing yourself to that state of arousal, which is uh, procreative energy. And when you use that state to focus on your desire, that's sex magic. Um, that it, they call the creation of a, a sex magic act a, a magical child. So that could be launching a business, that could be getting an idea for a painting. So sex magic can be solitary or it can be with a partner, but it's getting into that aroused state because that's an up trance. 
that's another state of hypnosis, right? Mm -hmm. Sexual arousal. Mm -hmm. So you use that state to stick an idea in your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. That's what sex magic is. So you can do it intercourse, or you can do it self-pleasuring, which a lot of people do. They'll take a, you know what a sigil is? Mm -hmm. So for people who might not know what a sigil is, a sigil is uh, writing out your desire, your intention, and then taking those letters and making them into a picture that looks nothing like what your desire is. So your subconscious, it goes into your subconscious, but your conscious mind forgets what it is. And then you take that sigil and you get yourself aroused. And when you bring yourself to climax, you look at the sigil and you have your climax and then you put the sigil away and forget about it. It's done. Or burn it. Or burn it. Yeah, make it go away. Mm -hmm. So sex magic is a way to launch your intention. Mm -hmm. And the orgasm is that break in consciousness where your idea goes into your subconscious. And because you're in a sexually charged state, which is pleasurable, so that feeling of pleasure is attached to your idea and it's very motivating for your uh, subconscious mind to want to achieve it for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I'm we, surprised that more people don't know about this. It's a technology, if you will, that we it all is a, have. It's, it's a technology, a yes, mm -hmm. it is, it is. And you can actually go on YouTube and there's a couple, type in uh, sigil magic or mm -hmm. sex magic, mm -hmm. And there's one young woman who's just beautiful. She's like, oh, here's how you make a sigil. And then you go and pleasure yourself. And, and then you go about your day. Yeah, burn your sigil and go about your day. Mm -hmm. It's like a five-minute video. And she's just very matter-of-fact. So you can also, instead of the sex part, you can do ecstatic dance. You can drum. You can chant. It's like getting yourself really worked up. Run like a marathon runner. But sex, because the energy of sex is to create, it's very powerful energy. It's like... It draws male and female together, mm -hmm. like in an explosion. Like Crowley says, we are divided for love's sake, for the chance of union. So it's like pulling apart two things that are very, like a rubber band that's very tight, and you pull them apart, and then when you let them go, they're like, bam! Mm -hmm. That's sex magic. Mm -hmm. The most intense form of magic is sex magic. And then you can use the sexual fluids to charge your tools. And I don't know if it's the actual physical act of taking that physical fluid and applying it on something, or it's how your mind reacts to it. I, don't, I think it's all in our mind, because we're all spirit. So this physical body is just kind of a, like training wheels, like it's a metaphor for what's going on on the spirit plane, or like a symbolic gesture. Because they have this other thing called empty-handed magic, where you don't do anything at all except imagine it all in your mind. We need to go through these motions to convince our subconscious that we're doing something. But you really don't need anything at all. You could just close your eyes and think it. Now, when you say think it, do you think what it is that, that you want or, or think about the whole creation of the sigil? Or, or think the, rit the ritual. So if you're going to do a ritual, you start off with... Uh, and it's the same goes because I am a spiritualist minister and I'm not doing, I don't do anything dark. Everything I do is for the highest and greatest good, harm to none, love and light, love and light. The energy that I always work with is love, love and light, love and light. Feel good. Before you do any of this, you got to feel good. So when you start off, you want to banish, you want to, un, you want to get rid of any thoughts that 
you don't want involved in your workings, in your process that you're going to do. So you banish. There's a lot of ways to banish. People will sprinkle salt or they'll smudge. But really, it's just clearing negative thoughts out of your mind. But you do it ritualistically to, so you feel like you cleaned yourself. But really, it's getting rid of negative thoughts. Then you invite in the elements, meaning I'm inviting this energy of the East, which is air, new beginnings, intellect. So East signifies the intellect. And then you go to the South, and that's fire, desire, passion. And you bring in intellect. You bring in fire. You bring in water, which is emotions. And then you bring in earth, which is the physical. So instead of them being all mixed up together in some idea that you had when you were shopping before you started your ritual, you clear it all out and you invite in the essence of intellect, the essence of willpower, the essence of emotion, the essence of physical. And then you, you use them as tools to achieve your desire. Then you state your purpose and then you start doing the workings to get yourself into a trance state and then you have your break in consciousness but as you get used to it you do empty handed magic which is you just sit or lay down and do the ritual in your mind it's an imagination mm -hmm. but not mm -hmm. just your imagination mm -hmm. it's real what do you think the imagination is it's our vehicle between the physical world and the super consciousness like the the the, co the cosmic consciousness, our imagination is our, we're creators. The thing about us that makes us different from animals is that we have free will and we have the ability to visualize a situation that we're not currently in. From what I understand, and I could be wrong because I'm not an animal and I'm not an animal communicator, but animals kind of live in the present and their wiring is simply um, if something comes up that reminds them of a negative situation or positive, they're going to react. But they don't think about it beforehand. Like we have uh, stress, anxiety, worry, all of that stuff. It's because we have the ability to imagine. We imagine what happened in the past and it brings up an, a state that we might not like. Or we, and that's um, regret or guilt or shame. And then worry which is anxiety inducing and stress and all of that is imagining like worst case scenario in the future and experiencing it as if it's actually happened. So our imagination is our ability to, um, I was a friend of mine uh, is uh, doing a, a emergent magic. So I'm learning about emergent magic. And when you uh, Google on um, YouTube, Google on YouTube, <laughs> it's a uh, predictive coding like we learn certain situations and then we kind of expect it um, in the future. So our imagination is already creating what we think is going to happen. And that's how people can uh, steal from you. You know, they can do like a sort of sleight of hand and the next thing you know, you're handing your wallet to them because it's just the way we're wired, neuro linguistic programming. Um, so back to got off track here, got off track here, help me get back on track. Uh, imagination, we were talking about. Oh uh, yeah, so thank you, imagination. Mm -hmm. So imagination is our ability to connect the dots or fill in the spots. Yeah, that's what our imagination is. I think it's part of our wiring for survival, but it's also the super consciousness is all thought. 
So anything we can create in our imagination is, is like real on the astral plane. And if you think about it, like on the tree of life, there's the causal plane and the emotional plane and the physical plane or whatever. But the causal plane is the imagination. It's the mental plane where you're, you just think of it. You just imagine it. So that's our imagination. So we can, con that's controlling your thoughts. Imaginations are your thoughts. And earlier you were talking about discipline, that you absolutely have to have discipline mm -hmm. if you're going to seriously do this work. Yeah. Um, what does discipline look like to you? Well, I would say discipline is practicing keeping your mind on one thing for as long as you want. And every time your thoughts wander and you go down the rabbit hole, you go, oh, thoughts Pull your attention back to either your mantra or your breath and you just keep practicing until you can stay focused for like two, two, first it's like 12 seconds, that's an accomplishment and then after that it's like two minutes and then 10 minutes and then 12 minutes. So that is the discipline. The discipline is making an appointment with your subconscious, same time, every day, every day, once or twice a day. Okay, it's four o'clock, I'm gonna meditate for 20 minutes, and then you do it. And you start to train yourself, and then it's not a practice anymore. So a meditation practice is the discipline to teach your mind, for you to master your mind and not to have your mind master you. And it's just a repetition, because we can condition ourselves, but being able to hold that thought and being able to choose our emotion and keep practicing until you get it right, and don't beat yourself up if you don't get it as fast as you think you should. Just keep working at it. You'll get it. Does that answer your question? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it, so you think that it's possible for people to replicate replicate what you've come up with? You've got a sort of a system. Yeah. Well, my system just comes from lots of other people's systems and starting to see like commonalities in okay. all religions, magical practice, Tibetan Buddhism, Catholicism. It, it's all, it's, um, it's just a basic, uh, basic formula that has to do with the way our minds work. Yeah, so I think that I can help anybody meditate. And part of meditation is using your imagination to create something in your mind that you want to contemplate or maybe you want to manifest. And if you can't concentrate, it's because you've had trauma. I'm not going to say everybody there's mental illness that's organic but I digress a little bit most mental illness that I have experienced is not there's nothing wrong with the person they're just our society doesn't have a place for that episode that they're going through or they've been traumatized and never been healed that's that soul retrieval stuff right soul loss in shamanic terms is when you have a trauma and a piece of your psyche disassociates to serve to help near-death experience right Whoosh, you're out of your body and then you have to come back to your body otherwise you have a, a hole in your psyche so those are the kind of people that have a hard time to meditate to do these things that I'm saying because they have to they have to mend what has happened to them and so that's where the therapy piece is really important to get yourself stable like stabilizing meditation where you could just uh, chant um, Om Mani Padme Hong, Om Mani Padme Hong, Om Mani Padme Hong. Chanting is a really good discipline because 
if you're chanting, you can't think of other things. And you have your beads, so you've got a somatic um, a body thing going, and you've got the sound thing going, and then that becomes breath work, and it just keeps you disciplined. And if stuff's popping up while you're doing that, stop your meditation and lean into those uh, mind chatter, the negative self-talk. That's where Gestalt comes in, right? You know Gestalt and Franz Fritz Perls, Fritz Perls, right? Gestalt is becoming the dream, becoming the mind chatter. Instead of running away from it, but you resist, persist, you step into it. Say you had a dream that had a duck and bubbles and a swimming pool. So your mind created the dream and the dream was weird. So if you become each part, like become the duck, well, why are you in the dream? Well, I'm a duck in the dream because that water is really beautiful and you know there's some part of you that needs to get in the water more so I'm turning myself into a duck and I'm going to get in that swimming pool to remind you that you know you need to take a vacation on the beach or something like that and then you say to the swimming pool well what's your what's your role and you go through each part of the dream even down to the temperature or the clouds in the sky they're all a manifestation of your subconscious your imagination so that's um, that's how you release the stuff that comes from trauma those just like that. Lean into that emotion. When's the first time you ever felt that way? Affect bridge, right? Mm -hmm. You don't even mm -hmm. have to put anyone mm -hmm. into trance. You don't have to do any induction, deepen or nothing. You just have them relive the sensitizing incident with a box of tissues, of course, mm -hmm. you know, because they might come unglued. But when they sit with it and sit with it, the emotion goes out of it and then you can have them see the situation for what it really was rather than through the eyes of a wounded child that learned this coping mechanism that got them to their 20s and now they're a mess, they can't function. So, but those are, you know, kind of, mm -hmm. those are the things that'll keep somebody from being able to do what I am describing. But that's where it's like, oh, stop there. We're gonna need to do a little, um, not remedial, but we gotta do a little more uh, general work and then put you back into the meditative training. And there's all kinds of ways to meditate. Meditation is just simply focused attention. Well, I think, I think healing um, trauma is huge. I, it seems like, I don't know if I know anybody that hasn't really been traumatized. It's life. You're right. Yeah. So, but so many people are identified with that trauma or yeah. just in fear of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So soul retrieval is one way yeah. of accessing that and healing that. Um, what would you say if somebody doesn't have a teacher, doesn't have a guide, doesn't have anybody else in their life, um, but they're interested in doing this work, interested in healing? You really need to have a group of people to do it, to hold space, because like in a healing circle, that's one of the reasons I became an ordained spiritualist minister is to have training like the hypnotherapy training the shamanic initiations I've taken the medicine Buddha of initiations I've taken make sure that my mind is stable so that I can hold space for someone else when you try to hold space for yourself you can you take yourself apart and you don't have anyone to make a container for you I I can't imagine someone by themselves 
attempting this work. That's you know, it's interesting. I know someone what? who who did. Oh, she she yeah. she read Sandra Ingerbin's book, and she went ahead and 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 did a soul retrieval for herself, and um, and it worked out for her. It did not work out for her. She did not. She integrated a, a part of herself that was not healed. And she's um, she's very sick. She's very physically sick, emotionally yeah. sick. That's what I'm speaking to. Mm-hmm. That's why. So you've got your like Tibetan Lama or your um, Curandero or you know the the shaman of the community. They're not magical. Well, magic psychology, right? They're going to analyze the person, just like we're talking about here. They're going to analyze that person and give them an antidote that intuitively that shamanic practitioner knows and there's your intuition that's god that's like connection to super consciousness when you meditate on the patient right healing is meditation so you get yourself into a particular emotional state where you're really clear and you're in the vibration that is conducive to um, the body's own natural healing abilities to do its work so you get in this very beautiful high vibrational state and then you focus on the other person and you meditate on them and you either like think of them or watch them or like when you talk to them you're kind of your super conscious your subconscious which connects to your super conscious is kind of like oh oh there it is right there and then you kind of think about well how would I balance that or how you know so it's like ritual talk trance you know actually physically like taking an anger caused by the trauma and putting it into a a physical object and then smashing it with a hammer that's breaking consciousness again so but you need a skilled practitioner to hold space and so that's what the yogis do and or their um, the gurus will say oh you need to work with uh, Lakshmi or you need to work with uh, Shiva or because they're archetypal energies that will balance that part of you that's um, you know uh, deformed because of circumstances so I don't think that it's a good idea to do this work without a group and so in spiritualism and in shamanism as well you have the group that you work with and so if you have an issue you bring it to the group and they do circle and it help you release it but you need to have reputable circle leaders and that's again spiritualism especially when you're trained in the national spiritualist association of churches modern spiritualism we are trained to hold that space for that person very prescribed methods of keeping keeping the energy up and light and you can't um, project or what they call transference you know like when you're working with someone and you get emotionally caught up in what their deal is you're not supposed to do that and if you're not a good practitioner not a skilled practitioner you haven't done your own work you can cause people a lot of damage but then again that's how they pay their house note right that's how they pay for their Mercedes is to get into this like years and years of psychoanalysis but again to do it by yourself I, I think even in her book that she says you shouldn't do that by yourself but if you're all by yourself and you don't know anybody what are you gonna do I know that's a hard one mm-hmm. that's a hard one so we what would you do what would you do how would you handle that what would I do if, if you knew someone that was wanted to do this work and was gonna do it by themselves I mean what would you tell them well I, yeah I wish that she had 
told me about this. I wish she'd told me that this was her intention. I would have, um, I would have found somebody. I would have found you. Yeah. Uh, to to be there to hold space. Um, I think that there's a lot that you can do. Um, a lot that you can do by yourself, but this is not one of them. No. Yeah. You have to take yourself apart and put yourself back together and. Yeah, you can't be in two places at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so, sorry. Sad. <laughs> yeah. sad to hear that happen. Yeah. Um, well, that's part of her learning, part of her journey. Yeah. Uh, and part of mine, and now part of yours, now that yeah. we all know about this together. Yeah. Um, so what is the work that, that you most love doing? You love to reacquaint people with their divinity. Healing. It's yeah. all healing. Yeah. Healing is a return to wholeness. Yeah. It's a return to stasis, homeostasis. You know that homeostasis, like yeah. just being in balance. Healing is about being in balance. So what I love to do, is that what you asked? Yeah. What do I love to do? Is see people be happy. Mm-hmm. And they're happy when they're in the divine flow. And if they're not in the divine flow, I'm an empath. So if somebody's not happy, I'm not happy because mm-hmm. I'm picking up on what's going on with them. It'll, it'll cause, and I'm also very um, like a mechanically inclined person, so I'm always analyzing, and, and I always want to fix it. Okay, let me get in there and fix it. Let me get my psychic wrench out, and I'm gonna like adjust you, get my screwdriver out, and tweak you. Yeah, that's what I like to do. Is there everywhere? Like my, my neighbor down the hall, she's uh, she was really coming unglued for a while there, and uh, I just took the time to sit with her and listen to her, and I took her to Unity Church and I took her to a meditation but what I did was listen to her and she cried and told me what was going on and and now she's just measurably better because I took the time to listen to her mm-hmm. that's why I like healing mm-hmm. is listening being of service and selfishly you feel better when you do that for other people mm-hmm. But that's never the motivation. No. Oh. That's just a, a benefit. It's a benefit, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like wonderful. Now, when you're motivated to be of service, I can't explain it. I mean, if you look at my birth chart, I'm wired to be of service. I cannot be intentionally cruel to another person. I cannot have the intention of, I'm going to screw that person over. It may come across that way because that's uh, skillful means, wrathful compassion. That's very Buddhist, mm-hmm. very medicine Buddha. But if my motivation is not for me, but I've learned over the years that by being of service, I feel better than if I just look the other way or shut myself up in my room. And I think that's what this is all about is we're only as strong as our weakest link. We need to help each other and help each other grow and hold space. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're out of sync with um, nature, which is God. God is nature. Natural law is the expression of God, which is a presence. It's not an, it doesn't have a personality. It doesn't care what you do, but it has laws. If you do that, that's going to happen. Cause and effect, right? Law of vibration, law of attraction. So it's just learning to play by those rules. But again, it's not like I want to make myself feel good and I don't care about how other people feel. Like in Buddhism, they have uh, Hinayama, Hinayana, Mahayana, and Vajrayana. So Hinayana means small vehicle, 
and it's the Buddhism where you do your self-analysis because in Buddhism there's no God it's all self-analysis so when you do your self-analysis and you get it done stop that's one way of being Mahayana is the big vehicle where as soon as you figure out what works for you and what makes you happy you immediately want to go out and tell somebody about it and show them that's a bodhisattva bodhisattva is like oh I figured it out but I can't be okay until everybody else is okay so Hinayana is like oh solitary realizer I'm fine okay and then you go and like do your little thing and that's okay but most people I'm not gonna say most people but a lot of people won't. as soon as they learn that's me oh I figured it out what how do we start talking well what is the thing that you like to do like to show people how to be happy I figured it out so I want to share with people and so that's Mahayana is being of service then Vajrayana is archetypal energies like you become the Virgin Mary you become Jesus Christ you that's where the imagination comes in right you learn all the attributes of Jesus and you look at his picture and he's got his sacred heart and he's got this and he's got that or Virgin Mary they all have uh, symbols that represent qualities so you learn all the symbols and what they represent then you sit in front of them and you meditate you make your mind completely clear and then you invite them to come into you but you don't do this unless you've been initiated because initiation is cleaning up your mind so that you don't go crazy so you invite in the deity you invite in the archetype and you become it I'm medicine Buddha I'm Jesus Christ I'm the Virgin Mary and how would they what would Jesus do right that's what Vajrayana is what would Jesus do do it pretend you're Jesus pretend you're um, who Fred Rogers right right Fred Rogers <laughs> mr. Rogers yes but that's that's what Vajrayana mm -hmm. is and it's they they say it's like the quickest way to self-realization and in Buddhism they believe in reincarnation like if you don't get it this lifetime you're gonna keep coming back until you get it it could take thousands of lifetimes well in Vajrayana they say they that um, you can achieve enlightenment in one lifetime by really diligently focusing on that archetypal energy and becoming it to where you you transcend reacting to your environment you transcend the physical existence that's how people can walk through hot coals they they transcend their physical existence to the point where their body physiologically does not respond to external stimulation isn't that crazy you did that, didn't you? What? Hot coals? No, I, no. No, I kind of, you know, hot coals are like getting my tooth filled without uh -huh. Novocaine. Okay. Like, oh yeah, I should be able to put myself in that state of mind and just like transcend it. No, I, I have a little fear around that. Okay. I, I might not work that one out mm -hmm. in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, what do you think about, about reincarnation? I've heard so many different ideas about it. I've heard it's, it's inevitable. I've heard it's a trap. Um, I've heard it's, it's a, it's, we have choice, I've heard we don't. It's what makes sense to you. So this is what I think, since you asked what I think, I think reincarnation is a way of analyzing ourselves and we have to tell it to ourselves in a way that works for our upbringing, our personality, our culture. So one person might believe in reincarnation 
and be very detail-oriented about the experience, and another person thinks it's bullshit, so to them it is bullshit. And reincarnation is, we have so many archetypes in our minds that, like epigenetics, you know what epigenetics mm -hmm. is? You know, you have all of this dormant DNA, junk DNA, they call it, or junk genes. It's not junk, it's just, it's dormant waiting for a certain situation to come up and it'll show up and then you have a, a, a safety net kind of built in already to help you in a situation you've never been in before because we're pre-wired for just about any situation so we can survive. So um, epigenetics and archetypes, this is something that I haven't heard anybody else put together. So it, I think it's unique to me. I didn't learn this from anyone else, but my meditating on it and tapping into my personal genius, my the super conscious, I had this aha moment of like archetypes. They're every kind of personality trait that you need for any given situation. Like you're a mom, you're a therapist, uh, you're a volunteer. Each one of those roles has to be a different personality. So when you talk about reincarnation, you could have a whole nother life inside of you that helps you make sense of something that's going on right now. I mean, people look, they, I, you know, I do past life regressions. Do you do past life regressions? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm kind of neutral, like mediumship as well. I'm kind of neutral. Are we talking to disincarnate spirits or am I tapping into your telepathic, am I tapping into you tele, telepathically about this person that you have strong emotional for emotion for? And then I can sense what you're feeling and then I can describe but am I describing your thoughts or am I actually describing a disincarnate person doesn't matter to me and the same thing goes for reincarnation it's like whatever you need it to be that's what it is that's my answer because there's so much fraud like again in spiritualism Harry Houdini he went out to debunk every single like famous proven by scientists medium and he found, especially physical mediumship, he found a, a hole in each and every one of them. And I think the same thing could apply to uh, stories of um, reincarnation that sound like, oh my God, that's it, that's really true. But when you scratch the surface, you find out that it was misrepresented. And again, to talk about mediumship rather than um, past life, past lives, in mediumship, there's like you really want to believe it so you believe it but if someone's a skeptic they'll find a way to discount it I don't know you know it's how does it make you feel does it help you I have no interest in doing past lives I have no interest in talking to my father who passed away 25 years ago but other people are like this is really important to them like in their mind that's where they're going to find the resolution to some issue they have in their current life and soul groups and all of that stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the why of it. I just know that it is and it's helpful for people. And so I suspend disbelief. And, and so this is what a bodhisattva does. A bodhisattva has the understanding of enlightenment like, oh, oh, okay, this is how it feels but then you can't tell another person how their experience is gonna be. So you have to get 
yourself out of the way and any preconceived notion, any sense of like success or failure based on how the person reacts. You just sit with them and say or do whatever comes up from your subconscious in response to what they're asking for. Is that, are you following what mm -hmm, I'm saying? I'm so Bodhisattva is not like, here's the rules, one size fits all, here you go guys. No, Bodhisattva is like the translator of divine consciousness, cosmic consciousness, bringing it down to the physical plane for that person right there. And then leaving them with no, I don't even need to know how it turned out. God, spirit, my intuition, led me to do this and I'll go away. And then you find out six months later, oh my God, the thing that you did, it did, it did. I'm like, what? I don't even remember that. But that's, that's, so that's my response to reincarnation, my response to mediumship and talking to disincarnate spirits. Is it something separate than us? Or is it a part of us? Because at the end of the day, we're all one. At the end of the day, we're just like little individualized units of God. And we all have it in us. And again, back to your question, like, what makes you happy? It's to unite ourselves with our divinity. Because when you're reunited with your own divinity, happy. It's not happy like, oh, I'm so happy because I got a new car. It's just, it's bliss. It's like a relaxation of reacting. You're just like in the state. And so I think our physical existence is just here for the collective consciousness to learn ourselves as individualized units of the divine. And when you have a, like a really horrible seeming life, the trick is to find the grace in it. Like, oh, I'm doing this experience, but I'm not gonna be, my thoughts are not gonna be, or my emotions are not gonna be controlled by the situation. I'm in this situation, but I am not the situation. And that's, that's enlightenment. So if you're born with a, it's a paraplegic or whatever, you could be pissed off your whole life that you can't move, or you can use it as an opportunity to not be distracted by your body if you have people that take care of you. And, and like Stephen Hawking, right? Mm -hmm. Look what that guy did with his so-called disability. All it did was just focus his energy in a more specific way that turned into genius for humanity. His, his thinking, his, Im his imagination. Mm -hmm. It was his imagination. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a trip? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so back to your question, what do I like to do? help people tap into their intuition, help people develop their imagination so that they can manifest in their mental, on the causal plane, what they want in real life. And that gets into abundance or lack mentality. So if you feel like, I need a new car, but I don't have one, that emotional state will keep you from ever getting that car. I don't have a car, and it'll just keep your subconscious will be like, oh, oh, okay, you don't have a car. Okay, well, we'll keep you from not having a car. That's fine. Or you engineer it, you mind hack it, the science of mind. You're like, I want a car. And then you allow, allow your imagination to see yourself in that perfect car, and you bring in all five senses, right? The, the feel of the upholstery and the smell and the, the sound of the stereo and the you know, just the whole experience. And you allow yourself to have that thing that you want in your mind, in your imagination, 
And that brings up an emotional state, law of attraction, that's the point of attraction, that draws to you your new car. And uh, it might not be exactly the one you want. It'll probably be something better for you because your intellectual mind does not have all the answers. Our subconscious and our, our conscious and our subconscious together give us everything we need. And when we're using them both together, then we tap into the superconscious. And that's like, that's magic. Magic is psychology in a trance state. So that's... So you, would, you are now officially a teacher. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. As, a, as an ordained minister, I'm officially a teacher. So how is that different for you now? Do you feel that you have a responsibility? Well, I've always had this deep drive to teach people. I just like to teach. But it's to get taken seriously, you do have to get a certain kind of credentialing, and you need to present it in a certain way. So, yes, I have a responsibility now to teach. But I also have the authority. To have the responsibility and the authority is very powerful. If you have responsibility and no authority, that's horrible. You have authority and no responsibility, not so good either. So now as a, my ministry is teaching, healing and teaching. To me, they're the same thing. You teach, they get their aha, they're healed. I don't do the healing, I am just a vehicle. I am a channel, a medium. Mm -hmm. That's what a medium is, right? You're the medium between the cosmic consciousness and the physical world. So teaching is an opportunity to share with people in a bodhisattva fashion, right? How can I take what I know and say it in such a way or demonstrate it in a way where they get it and it becomes their information, not mine? Mm -hmm. My biggest compliment is to hear someone spouting an idea that I planted in their mind with permission, of course. I don't do anything non-consensually. But to hear them like embody the idea that I planted in them in such a way where it's theirs. Oh my God. That's the best. That is the best, right? I get all emotional mm -hmm. thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the stuff. And so now I'm stepping into teaching. I'm really looking forward to presenting um, a class at the Lifelong Learning at Yavapai College. They have Ollie, the uh, Oster Lifelong Learning Institute. It's an endowment. They have like $2 million endowment. They have their own little building. They have their literature. It's just like a college class, but it's peer-based. And I'm going to teach some modern spiritualism, which includes meditation, natural law, prayer, healing, manifesting. It teaches all of that. And here's my first like really legit place to offer what I've learned in a, in a college-style setting. And I don't even have a bachelor's degree. It's like, woohoo! Yeah, and then from there, people will want to practice, I'm hoping, what I share with them. And then that's where we do the healing circles, or we do the, the uh, they call them unfoldment circles, or psychic development circles, where we s sit together and practice. So that's like the, um, the technical part, but then you actually have to do it. So yeah, teaching for me is giving people the nuts and bolts and then giving them an opportunity to practice in the uh, psychic development thing. And then on a final note, because I, I want to wind this up, I don't want it to go past an hour, because okay. then I won't want to listen to it. Okay. But uh, psychic development. So we have this pineal gland, 
and our pineal gland, scientifically proven, it's a transmitter receiver. And it uses our imagination to create all the things that we, our sensual experiences with our, all of our senses. The pineal gland is what reproduces them. Like if you eat a lemon and your mouth goes, mm, you know, gets real that sour feeling, that's a physiological reaction to a physical stimulation. Now, if you close your eyes and imagine that lemon, you can also get that salivation and that taste of lemon. You will get a physiological response to a, a an, an imagination thing. So our psychic senses are really the same senses we have in the physical, but they're on the imagination level. But that's where telepathy and all of that comes in because it's all energy. That's what spirit is. Spirit is energy. Material is our physical body. So when it's spiritual, it doesn't mean it's religion or anything. It just means there's a, an energy out there that we can't see, but we see the effect of. And so that psychic development is so important to be able to um, create on the mental plane something you want to manifest in the physical. And one of the side benefits of psychic development is telepathy, the ability to kind of predict what might happen. Not fortune telling, but or the ability to like do remote viewing. You either uh, imagine what's inside a place that's thousands of miles away, or else you try and find something in the physical world that's been misplaced. And that's all telepathy. That's like psychometry, like auras. They're toroidal fields, they're energy fields that are around us and everything has an aura. So you use that. That's how dogs and birds and other animals um, know where each other are. They're using this psychic sense that we have really kind of cauterized in our culture. Like, you're crazy, you're hearing voices, you're schizophrenic. Like, actually, no. But since you don't have a place for it, then you, here's a pill, you're crazy. And then you like dumb down all of your divinity to fit in, to become square so you can fit in that square hole. And that is a crime in my mind. And back to your original question to me, you know, what would I want to talk about in my last conversation or what do I love to do? Connect people with their divinity, connect people with their intuition. And if they can't do it, help them figure out how to do it. That's so important. What about people that, that are uh, triggered by anything religious or spiritual or just really um, not interested in that. I've got a number of people in my circles that are, um, they would call themselves atheists. Uh -huh. um, the kind of work that you do, the psychic development um, and connecting with divinity, can someone still... Can we don't have himself? to call it divinity. Yeah, so someone can call still it benefit, benefit from what you're offering yeah. um, and not have any kind of spiritual belief. I'm working with someone like that right now, mm -hmm. and we—he's like a computer guy. Mm -hmm. So we just use computer terms. Okay, that is so cool. <laughs> That's the Bodhisattva, right? Yeah. It's like meet people. Oh, where they are. God, God is energy. God is, you know, like geometry and physics. Oh yeah, I know geometry and physics. Well, we're gonna look at it like that. There's some like basic ways, cause and effect. If you do this, it turns out like that. So if you get quiet. Close your eyes, make yourself comfortable, and begin to focus on your breath. You will calm down. 
because it is physiologically impossible to be all agitated and breathe slowly and deeply. Mm -hmm. And when you start to breathe slowly and deeply, you put yourself into theta, which is measurable, and that's where your imagination land is. And I just say it like that. Like in the beginning, I, I said, it's either there is no God but man, or there's a God and there's a whole bunch of intermediaries that are called angels and whatever, spirit guides. At the end of the day, it's all the same. So who cares? Reincarnation, is it real? If it's important to you, it's real. If it's not, no. Mediumship, can I really talk to my Aunt Sally who died last week? If you want me to help you do that, sure. If not, like remember that work that we did? I'm mm -hmm. like, here, mm -hmm. here's the technique. Do what you want with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. It's just same stuff, different package. Mm -hmm. And that's our job, you too, yep. as therapists, is to get ourselves out of our way and sit with that person and feel them. And then your intuition will tell them which modality is going to work for them. I've yeah. heard I've heard about healing. Healing is just letting go. Yes. You return you, to stasis, return mm -hmm. to natural state of repose. Yeah, healing is a return to harm, harmony with uh, natural flow. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. That's healing. Well, I'm so glad that you're doing this work and I'm so glad I've connected with you and that we've made time to be together today. Yes. And share this conversation with others. Yes. Thank you so Thank much, you, Catherine. Katie. That was awesome. You are beautiful, and, and I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate you as well, Catherine. All right. Until next time. Yeah, baby. <laughs>